Hello, welcome to the Outdoor Ed Podcast. I am Matt Mascarinas, your host, and today I am joined by Connor Foy from Apex Sport Fishing, and uh, we're going to talk pike today. Connor, that's right. Um, uh, you like to pike fish, love it. Uh, before I really get into this, uh, get us get give us a kind of a brief elevator speech, background, whatever you want to call it, okay. of where you're from, how you got here, and why you love pike. Okay. Or fishing in general. Yeah. I'm not going to pigeonhole you into a pike guy yet. You're wearing a frying <laughs> pan. You're wearing a frying pan shirt. Right. So there's no pike. We all know there's no pike in the frying pan, right? So not yet. We'll see what you got going. So yeah, uh, let the folks know that don't know who you are. Yeah. Um, who you are? I'm uh, like you said, I'm Connor, and I'm from Chicago. Born and raised. Moved out to Colorado. Cubby fan. Cubby fan. Yes. Moved out to Colorado six years ago. Um, I bounced around a little bit since I've been here, living in the mountains, and then Denver and Boulder and kind of all over the place. But uh, my first year or two out here, I mean, I've always loved fishing. Right. My first year or two out here, I've never caught like trout and like that. That's Colorado's, right? That's what it's known for. Yep, fly fishing. Right. So I did that (laughs) and I loved it. And uh, I was in, I was living in Carbondale at the time. So this is like the mecca of fly fishing and trout fishing. You got the roaring fork and the crystal and the frying pan and Colorado. It's just incredible so I did that for a year or two but eventually I kind of like started kind of itch for some some something else mm-hmm. and growing up I fished for like bass and carp and catfish I believe I'm a Chicago suburb so you don't have a ton of options you're just pond hopping um but so I was out here doing the fly fishing thing fishing the rivers and then like I said started itch for something different started to kind of venture out and start fishing reservoirs that were nearby and then from there kind of grew and expanded and I kind of fell in love with lake fishing in Colorado you know I heard whispers there's some walleye over here and bass this yeah, lake yeah. pike and I was like this is this is more kind of my my speed and then uh, I just got obsessed with it I got a little boat that was my first deal a little 16 footer um, just to get me out on the water and off of the the bank off and the bank yeah. and I towed that thing all over the place and started fishing and then uh, fast forward a few years I got a bigger boat and I started my guide service and been lucky enough to work with a bunch of different outfits in the state. So I just now I fish all over the place. You're all range. you're all over the place. All I over. mean, uh, we see it on uh, social media, and when I'm when I'm talking to you, and uh, we met at Bass Pro Shops. Yeah. When uh, I was doing the LFK podcast, the right. local fishing knowledge podcast, and you were over there um, selling boats, selling boats, and um, we started talking. Yeah. And you were telling me all about you know like you, you're very very. Uh, uh, excited and curious to really get out there and want to see what's out. But you were always doing it the right way. You're like, hey, how can I learn? How can I figure yeah. this stuff out? You weren't like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. You're trying to figure it out. So yeah. you got you, you got going. You yeah. Know, obviously got going. I remember you talking about your boat when you bought your boat. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> you got going. So, uh, and you said you're kind of like the swing man around here. Kind of tell everybody who um, – Kind of you guide for? Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about this a lot throughout sure. the uh, throughout the podcast today, but uh, real quick, kind of cover. Um, you know, you said you're the swingman of out of, of out here. Kind of go through everybody you work with or your partners, right? That where where they where people can find you. Okay. Um, yeah. So I definitely. I mean, I love pike, but I love I'm a multi species guy. So I fish for everything that swims, or at least I try to. Um, but right now, I work closely with Frying Pan Anglers, which is a fly shop mm-hmm. in Basalt, but I'm the guy on the boat, and I do root-eye trips for lake trout and browns and rainbows and that kind of thing. And the spin guy. You're the spin, spin guy. guy. Yeah. So I'm like the oddball. There's probably 20 fly guys in the meat. And <laughs> That's then I, awesome. Yeah. I also work for Sportfish Colorado, which is out of Gunnison, and uh with them, I do I do trips all over the place. They have Blue Mace Permits and Rifle Gap. Um so I'm doing a lot of those trips, and then Colorado Adrenaline Fishing, which is out of Pueblo. Um, so we fished that lake a bunch early season for walleye and that kind of thing. And then uh, Patriot Outfitters, um, work with him up at Leadville, Twin Lakes, Turquoise. Um, so between the number of different outfits, I I do Rudeye, Williams, Forks, Spinney, Blue Mesa, Pueblo, Twin, Turquoise. Yeah, just all over. Oh, man. That, Spinney. I mean... In the right situation, yeah, and I think you're in the right situation. That sounds like a kick-ass time. It's a good time. It's a lot of traveling, but it's, <laughs> it's all over the place. All over the place, man. That sounds that sounds awesome. So, um, all that like you, you, made, you re- referenced a ton of, yeah. of places to fish. 
what's some of your favorites, whether it's personally or even when you like to guide? Favorite lakes? Yeah, that of the ones you, you named. Oh, man. It, I mean, it definitely changes depending on the season, you know? So, like, early, early season, April, May, I like lake trout lakes. So I'm on Rude Eye a lot. Uh, Blue Mesa, Williams Fortress, because lake trout go shallow, and they're mm-hmm. kind of a little bit easier to catch. And uh, I really enjoy that. I love Rifle Gap because it's, like, super diverse. It's kind of like a hidden gem over there on the west slope that uh, doesn't get tons of fishing pressure. Um that South Park Lake spinning lemma. Spinning lemma, awesome. yeah. They can be frustrating with all the weeds, and they that those fish are wise in those lakes. Damn but, wind, too. Yeah. But you get that anywhere, but South Park is disgusting. Right. Did you see that the, the weeds, they grow like this, the grass on Because it's on so the, windy. It's so windy all the time. Oh, yeah. I've had some gnarly days out there, but uh, yeah. uh, Pueblo is awesome. Pueblo's awesome, man. There's so many fish in that lake, it's unbelievable. So, I mean, it, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, we're... Today we, we could talk about all those lakes. Yeah, we can we could spend a tons of time, especially Pueblo. Yeah, the Spinning Mountain Lakes, uh, uh, the Eleven Mile, yeah. Blue Mesa. See, Blue Mesa is never a place that I really. I think I've been to once. Yeah, and I don't even remember fishing. Oh, it's the you it's know the big leagues over there. It's 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 legit. Yeah. yeah, it's legit. Robbie's got it all unlocked. There's a couple guys up there, but I I know Robbie really kicks butt. Yeah, he does up there. And um, you know, Turquoise Twin. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, I brought you here today to talk about pike. Yeah. You know, I um, we talk about pike all the time and uh, how your, I mean, let's, pike are different here in the Rocky Mountains than they for are sure. anywhere else. You have experience p- fishing for pike back back where you're from. And um, in my experience, I'm very, I'm not going to say I'm a new pike angler or I don't, I'm new to pike. But I don't target them enough to say, hey, I have experience targeting these pike or, or yeah. catching these fish. So when I talk to you, I talk to other other pike guys that are out there too, and and it, um, I try to figure out, like, why are they so different? Yeah. Why are they so different? Why do they act like that? Yeah. And so I guess kind of kind of let us know. If, and if you're a pike angler out there, and we're talking about here in the Rocky Mountain region, you know, Colorado specifically, but um, in the Rocky Mountain region, the way the way these pike act, and if there's pike in any other waters around the uh, the the region here, and I know so McConaughey, they're starting to get right. They're I've the pike that. are in there. I remember I was a fishing a walleye tournament. I want to say in 2012, 2011, something like that. And oh my goodness, all I remember is so many pike in there. The ten to twelve pound fish really? I was, I was catching, up. yeah, back then. And now I talk to people out there, so. That the pike is going, the pike are going crazy now. Some people, especially in this region, because of it, it's a trout region. They really look at trout as the cash cow, the yeah. cash crop, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, fly anglers, they're upset. And pike has a staple or a stamp on its head. Is you know we don't right. want them unless they're supposed to be there. We don't want them in there. Green Mountain right. had, had the uh, bounty on them, right? And you know so they're they're a they're a hardy species. You know, yeah. they're a touchy, touchy filly species with some anglers out there. But for the most part, anglers love them. Yeah. You know, they're especially hardcore guys like you and uh, some other guys that are out there. But um, kind of, uh, let's start there. I mean, what what can, what can makes pike different here yeah. than in, let's say, the right. Midwest or something, or even South Dakota or something like that, yeah. which is kind of on, but that's more of in that Midwest belt. It is Midwest, yeah. So it's not Rocky Mountain, but... I mean, you're, what kind of makes those pike different? What what would you say, in your opinion, makes pike different here than in any other place in the United States? That's a good question. So I'm still trying to figure it out myself, but I think there's a number of reasons they fish differently here than they do back home. Because when I grew up, it was all about wire leader, and you're throwing a spoon by the weeds, kind of like your stereotypical pike guy. Yep. And it caught fish, and it was effective. Bucktails, Bucktails, huh? yep. Um, and then I moved out here and I started hearing the whispers like, and, you know, pike is not certainly the top most favorite species, especially where I was living at. It was trout, trout, trout. And that was all you heard about. But I started hearing whispers about pikes. So I was like, I got to go try this. And of course I got my butt kicked. I'm over mm-hmm. there, you know, on the West slope, it's a hundred degrees. It's July and I'm throwing a wire leader and I never even saw a fish for like months, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, I got to figure it out. It's a whole different ball game out here. And I think that the reason they fish differently is number one, we don't have a ton of pike lakes. 
you know, like like traditional Pike lakes. Yeah, yeah, like lakes with Pike, like Minnesota is probably thousands. Yeah. You know, in Colorado, I don't know if there's twenty of them. Yeah, by the time yeah. you finish counting them all. Yeah. So we have like a limited amount of water, and a lot of guys are fishing it, so they're heavily pressured. That's number one. Number two is we have super clear water. A lot of those lakes in the Midwest are a little murkier. Um, and I think that kind of can play to your advantage. And then number three is our fish here are spoiled. You know, the CPW <laughs> stocks the hell out of stocks these lakes. Stocks it with that cash crop they got yeah. there, the trout. Yep, so, the, trout. so the pike out here, man, they can just eat whenever, whatever they'd like. There's perch, there's rainbows, they eat small pike, just tons and tons of food. And you, you see it when you catch a big pike, like the body conditions of our fish are way nicer than the fish over in the Midwest. Right. You right. know, like a 36-incher can be close to 20 pounds here because they're just so well-fed, um, which makes it difficult. You know, it's hard to compete with, like, a real live rainbow for trout sure. For sure. when you're uh, just throwing baits. But uh, it can be super rewarding, you know. Like, I like the challenge. It's kind of like musky fishing in the Midwest, but it's like pike fishing here in Colorado. Um, is that very, I hear that a lot, that comparison a lot, that the musky, it's like musky fishing here. It's like fishing for muskies for yeah. pike out here. It, it's probably not as difficult as musky but fishing, it's simple, yeah, but it's yeah. heading in that direction. It's tough, especially for a big pike. And the big pike, it's like, could be classified as a different species than the little guy. Yeah, yeah. It's not super difficult to go catch the hammer handles, um, but man, you'll pull your hair out trying to catch the 40-incher because she's old and smart and seen it all. <sighs> You know, and that goes with any fish too. Really, you know, yeah. If you think about it, but I, I know pike in particular. Like you, you, you said it there. Like when, and I know lake trout kind of do this too. They, they, they say that when they get a certain length, they go from eating bugs or, or yeah. the, the the mice shrimp or, right. or or um whatever they're they're eating at that stage, and then they go into strictly fish eating. Yeah. Well, I've I've had cases and instances where I swear to goodness that lake trout was eating my jig that's that's you know t- super tiny i'm not gonna divulge what i was using <laughs> but um a super tiny jig in some situations in some parts of the the uh the state and yeah you and i both know what we're talking about now but um i swear those those bigger fish ate that and, yeah and i mean i i really think that if you're at the top of the food chain size wise yeah you can eat whatever the hell you want to eat whether it's a trout uh, uh, a trout, a sucker, or a little piece of you a know mi- microscopic yeah. something, you know. Yeah. So, um, but with pike, I absolutely think that there's a trigger or a switch where they go from eating eating one thing to another. Yeah. And I mean, what what would you what what would you think tr- triggers that or, or size? Is it like not enough food, or or is it they just switch to a they they grow up almost? They yeah. leave the nest in a sense. Would you agree with that, or what do you think attributes to that? Ah, that's a good question. I know, I mean, pike are eating anything that can fit in their mouth from the day they're born. They're super predatory, which is why they get, you know, they're kind of misunderstood, especially in Colorado, um, because they can eat whatever they want. And oftentimes it's the prize, the golden child, right? It's kokanee salmon or rainbow trout, something that's really uh, prized. But uh, they also do a lot of, like, you know, Management, they, they they're eating suckers and trash fish and carp, and that's a lot of cases why they're they're stocked into lakes. Yeah, to also offer anglers opportunities and to kind of help on those yeah. those kind of quote unquote trash fish, whatever yeah. you want to call them. Um, so yeah, they and they they switch over and to they that. eat the small pike. They kind of they, limit their own numbers. They, like they're notorious pike, for that. Yeah, they're soup because a little pike is he's kind of reckless. Yeah, oh yeah, he's, he's yeah, not right? as, he, he thinks he's big and he'll <laughs> right? swim in open he's water. He's got the attitude, but right. he doesn't have the size yet. Right, so they're like the perfect food source because they're swimming on the weed edges thinking they run the show and yeah. they're just getting picked off whenever, where the perch and the trout, like they're wise. They know that they have to tuck up against the bank or go somewhere that's safe. Little Pike, he doesn't understand that. He doesn't get it. And that and that's been a lot of cases, too. I know when I was, um, when I would, because I, I trolled for Pike mostly. Yeah. I didn't cast a lot. And when I did cast, it wasn't for very long. And it was, it was uh, spinner baits or right. jerk baits. Which, yeah. Which I hear are, are pretty, you know. The money. Um, they're, they're, they're money. So, but I trolled. That was my, trolling for Pike and Trout was kind of my deal when I, because I, I did guide on spinning and 11 yeah. mile. But when I did those trips, I would troll for Pike predominantly. And um, a lot of stuff, a lot of baits on there, through my experience and through learning from other folks, um, I, I noticed that uh, 
it was a pike pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to have some kind of, you know, you mentioned a husky jerk. You know, yeah. I would, I would, I would go try to go get as much, as many pike patterns as you want. You right. know, guiding, you have to have, that's a cardinal rule of guiding. You have to have, if you only have one or two baits, you don't use those baits because yeah. you need to have at least four of those baits because, yeah. you know, you're not going to have the two people. So I'm going to stock up on all these pike, pike imitations. So I ran out of those. Yeah. They're not, they don't have them. So I started buying bass. Yeah, they look similar, similar yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But so I, I, I see that. I, I noticed that that they really they go into a sense more than any other fish that I've seen. Yeah, they eat each other. They do. I think the big ones are good for fisheries. I mean, I'm not like a biologist. I don't know. This is only just personal experience and what I've witnessed. But it's bro science, do bro, science, bro guide science, science. Yeah. guide science. <laughs> Exactly. You know, guides sometimes can give these biologists a run for their money because they're actually touching and seeing what's right. going on, you know. So. And you just spend like a ridiculous amount of time out there. You're bound to learn some stuff, although you, you don't have or, like a... Or you're not going to make any money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that... And, and Spinny is like a great example of pike coexisting with rainbow trout and brown trout. Sure, I'm 100% And certain. what it does to that population. Yeah. It makes those... There's giants in, giants. in spinning. Yeah. It's ridiculous how big those fish are. It's like the perfect trout. example of fish, big predatory fish and big, you know, trout coexisting. And, and it happens all over the state. I think a lot of people give them bad rap. I do think that if pike overpopulate, that's a bad thing. Like, certain waters that they're not, yeah. Certain waters. Like Green Mountain. I don't want them in there. Right. I really don't want you them in there. You get a ton there. of hammer handles, and they're like rabbits, man. They just show up, and they're everywhere, and those little dudes are doing damage, eating a lot of fry. And I, I think that they should be controlled, but I think that they shouldn't be, you know, in Colorado, it seems like a lot of times they're public enemy number one. No, they, yeah, yeah. For they, sure, you know. Because like, they eat the trout. Because it's got teeth, it's just... and it's like misunderstood, and people want them gone, but... I think they they belong here just as much as trout. They're both non-native. I know. Yeah. They, you know? Yeah. They. Everybody says like, oh, it's a native. You know, like brown trout. Right. Rainbows are from the Pacific Northwest, right. and the brown trout are from Germany. Right. And the only thing that's native is the the green, the greenback, and then the the greenback cutthroat. Cutthroat, right? right. And then the the old spiny spiny hubback chub. Yeah. Honey, the pike minnow and chub. And pike minnow chub squawfish. And then maybe like a sunfish or a blue uh, some pan. Darter. There's darters too. Yeah. And all, all these fish that we're never going to be able to catch in our life. Right. And we're going to get to the spiny chub, hub, dub, the, uh, endangered, pine, you know, yeah. the endangered ones um, here, endangered. here coming forward. But, uh, but yeah, they, they really are because they, they, they eat everything. They yeah. eat a lot of stuff. And it, it is true. It is true yeah. that they do. But, gosh, man, they're fun to catch. And they're in my awesome. limited experience on catching these fish, and, like, and I always tell people, they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, I've never personally caught... Um, a fish over I broke my personal best last season with a fish like 35 36 but I've never Stop. caught anything over thir- that 35 mark yeah you know so I'm 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 looking for something like that but in my limited experience catching those fish or those size of fish it's a blast to have that to see that fish yeah. the way they're shaped yeah I mean it's what screams more predator to I than know. anything I know. they're 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 a great fish to catch so um we kind of covered trolling. Do you, is that something you do? You do yeah. a lot of trolling, and when do you troll mostly? Where can I get kind of get into that? You no know, tactics and stuff. So what? When do you? When do you troll mostly? Let's because I I figure and I, I think you might be the same way. Early in the season, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's ice fishing and stuff like that, but we'll cover the ice fishing part on another podcast because that's a whole other deal. And it's right. Like, when you want to target those fish going into the spawn, they're spawn. They usually spawn. You can might even they start when the ice is still on. Yeah, yeah. Then they kind of go into the early. They're yeah. they're they're um they're post spawn where they kind of they're in a negative mood. You right. Know, you can't really get them to do anything, and then which I mean I always I always say give people breaks when they spawn. You know. Yeah. Think about how you want to act when you after you get done <laughs> quote unquote spawning. Man, do you want somebody to go and pester no, you? No, you don't let want to be know. bothered. Absolutely let, not. let them know. Let yeah. them go. Let let, let them relax. You yeah. Know? But anyway, you get in that springtime when they're kind of waking up and starting to get moving around. Right. That's when I used to troll that's a lot. I, yeah. And so, the big thing is the weeds. You know, the, the weeds, weeds are down. Right. Ridiculous right. Yet, and it opens up trolling opportunities where some of our pike lakes this time of year, um, and as early as like, you know, mid, mid-June, early June, it just becomes too dense. The weeds are too dense. That's where the fish are at. And if you try to troll through there, you're just getting hung up left and yep. right. So I like to troll early season. It kind of depends on the lake. Because um, Williams Fork, on the other hand, is not like a super weedy lake. You control that year round, right? Right. And not, you know, pull your hair out. Um, <clears throat> and then late season, I like to troll a little bit, but uh, 
it just kind of depends on what's going on, like the weather pattern and the water temperature and where I'm at, where I think the fish are. Like if trolling becomes a, a good option, then I'll certainly do it. Um, but I think a lot of times with our lakes, you know, the casting, but as, as long as you have people that are like relatively proficient with the, with the rod and can make the cast, I think that's pretty effective. That's the best way. Yeah. For clients, especially. Too, yeah. Right? Yeah. Would you, um, when, now when you're trolling, are you long lining? You're putting boards out? I put boards out, yep, and I long line. Um, usually like jerk baits and uh, stick baits, that type of thing. Um, midsummer, if the if I find like an area that isn't too weedy, I like to burn bucktails. I'll troll bucktails. Okay. Like you can almost, musky fishing almost anywhere. Yeah. Is that is that a pike tactic to troll? Is that so you go to Midwest? Is that a pike tactic to troll like that? Yeah, I don't definitely. Know. Well, so for the musky dudes, the those, muskies they, they troll like four miles an hour, like five miles an hour. Yeah, it's five, like you have yeah. like a wake. You could like water ski back there, <laughs> and it's crazy. But that's that's the fish like it. And it's more like a reaction thing, you know. Like yeah, the bait comes burning by, and the pike or musky he doesn't have time to inspect it. He just has to make a decision: Do I want to eat it? And a lot of times they do. They just can't help themselves. So I'll do that. I'll 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 try. I usually don't go five miles an hour, but I'll do yeah, yeah. three and a half, which is still super yep, fast. Super fast. And You're that, with the big motor, then, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I can go with the big motor, and then steer with the trolling motor, and it's perfect. And you just cover so much water, and you can almost see your bait because it's so high in the water column. And then you can get in that super skinny water and just go over the weed tops, and you know, even like a twenty-four incher when that bait gets hit, if oh, you're going yeah. so fast, it's it's a good time. Yeah, for sure. So I'll do that. Um, but springtime is not that fast. I'm doing a stick bait thing and slowing it down because they're hungry, but it's cold water. They're kind of like negative. They're not swimming as fast as yeah. they they do this time of year. And get out there and start moving. And did you notice that? Um, so when when you're trolling, and uh, do you is there anything that you kind of like really really dial into things? Is there anything that you really look like depth? Um, location. I mean, like, I'm not talking about GPS points. But yeah. Do you look for like drop offs, shallow water relating to deep water with deep water nearby weeds? I mean, you mentioned weeds already. Yeah. I mean, is there anything that you're looking to that okay, maybe this area would be better for me to troll, or is it kind of gut feeling, or you're just kind of probing, trying to figure out where these fish are? Yeah, kind of like a combination of the two. I definitely want to fish like high percentage areas, so. When I'm pike fishing, I'm looking at my graph. I'm not real. It's not like lake trout fishing where you like are looking for lake trout on the graph. Yeah, I'm looking more for like water temperature, depth, what the weed situation is like down there, and then food. You know, if there's a bunch of bait, I think that's a high percentage. You know, they're predators. They're gonna follow that bait around. Um, so those weed edges are super effective because the pike he's kind of lazy. You know, he's like an ant. Yeah, he's, he's ambushed. Dude, they're the fastest freshwater fish. I think. In the world, maybe dude, definitely. They remind me of barracudas, dude. Yeah, that's what they. And I, I, you know, um, I, I think they're. I don't know if they are or not. I'm not going to say they are. I know they're not. But, yeah, but don't they remind you of barracudas? Yeah, 100. Kind of? yeah. But they're lazy, you know. So yeah. they'll even though they're super fast, and especially in Colorado, they're lazy because they'll just find a spot that they feel comfortable in, and then they just hang out there until something swims overhead, which is often because we have so much bait. Yeah, and that's all that. And then they just jump one flick of the tail, and they can lurch forward 15 feet and grab whatever they want and then just go back to chilling and digesting and then they'll do it again so you have to go to them you can't draw them to you you know what i mean right, where right, lake right. trout or some other predator species are like more that they're kind of swimming around they're like the freshwater tuna yeah a pike he's just that's his spot yeah he's a gator yeah so if you find Man. one and that's another thing i look for it's so clear you can usually like i'll go super shallow so do you do you, do you go spot them I like, so what I do, and I think you can learn a ton about fishing just by doing this. If I get out on a lake super early in the morning and it's glass, the sun has to be right and the wind has to be right, which is not often the case because Colorado's windy. And, you know, once the wind starts, the waves, you can't see into the water. But if it's glass and the sun's shining, I'll just put the rod down and I'll just do a lap. Like, as deep of water as I can see to the bottom and then as shallow as I can fit my boat. Yeah. And just look and see what what's out there you know you see crayfish you see schools of perch brush piles you know you'll see a walleye laid up or you know you'll see the big pike depending on where you are and i think you can learn a lot about fishing just by that like if you do that lap and you're not seeing anything even bait yeah that's just dead pointless just water home. yeah you just go home put the boat on the on the trailer right the hell, go hit go hit a hamburger go home <laughs> yeah 
Um, <laughs> so I'll do that. In Pike, you know, they they stay pretty shallow, um, not in the midsummer when it gets warm. Right, yeah. But uh, it's not not a big deal seeing in like three feet of water. And it's it's funny you say that. Like I was when when I guided for Tightline Outdoors. Yeah, uh, I was on a guide trip with Will Dykstra, who's who's their uh, predator guide over there. Right. Um, and that's kind of what we did. We had a break in between trips, and uh, we kind of went and cruised shallow to see. And, and again, you know, I'm Pike. It, my experience is is very limited, so so I didn't know what was going on, and and so. Electric motors, I don't know if you've noticed this, but electric motors, I guess, and I learned this from Will, that uh, they're spooky with the fish. They spook fish. They, they, the pike really don't like that electric motor. Yeah. So I was. that's something that I really didn't know. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, he went and looked for fish. We were looking for topwater fish, see if we can run some frogs or something over the top of those fish. Right. But, yeah, that, that's, a good, that's a good point that you go over there and go look for it. And I never really have done that yeah. before. Yeah. So that's that's definitely something to do. When when um, do you ever catch fish deep? Do you ever go and kind of you know try to yeah. either get vertical on them or bring a, a deep diving swim bait or a yeah. sinking swim bait or something like that? What what kind of situations would you think that's that's ideal or, or when you can do that? Summertime, midsummer, summertime, right about now? yeah. Some of the lakes that I fish for pike are it's like high desert, right? So it gets yeah, warm, yeah. warm over there. It's not you know uncommon to see water temperatures like above seventy five on the surface. And a big pike, especially, that's not tolerable. Like, they're deeper than that. They're below the thermocline. Uh, they might swim up in that quickly just to hunt, but they're not hanging out in that water. And I don't think even the hammer handles hang out in that warm water. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, some of those lakes, they go deep, and that's exactly what I'll do. I'll either troll, you know, deep-diving crankbaits and try to fine-tune it to figure out what depth they're at, uh, or I'll throw big swim baits, anything that you can get down there. And it's not a whole bunch of baits, you know. It really limits you as to what you could use. Right, because there's not a lot of... No. I even I even post... I uh, kind of posted up on... There's a point at Spinney. It's on the... It's almost towards the south boat ramp. Yeah. Um, or that boat ramp... Is it... What boat? It's not the east boat ramp, because that would be the main boat ramp on this side. But it's anyway... It's, it's the it's, west, yeah. It's, it's towards the... the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of southwest over there. I can't remember what the hell boat ramp that's called. But anyway, there's a big point over there and it yeah. drops off it's got yeah, 10 you got boulders around there and it kind of drops off into um like 30 20 30 foot of water and i marked giant marks yeah kind of along those drop-offs you know yeah and i've never seen them with my eyes right but i i swear i, I could just be seeing ghosts you know because that happens a lot too in those clear waters especially with pike you see ghosts yeah and it could i could have just been seeing ghosts but i tried to like throw a big giant four or five inch spoon and kind of flutter it back down, you know, yeah. kind of like a like a like a, a perch colored spoon, not right. a pattern, but yeah. kind of that dark off color, and kind of let it pro- see what happens. Yeah, nothing. And then again, you know, and then I throw like a, a, a swim bait, and I'm not a big swim bait guy, so I don't like, I don't have all those all the swim baits. I don't yeah. have all the. I'm not. I can't, I'm not even gonna try to even give you the verbiage of these <laughs> swim bait freaking guys. So I, I don't. Know. I don't know what I it know. is, but I the swim baits I've had. I think I had some. Uh, some Sibyl swim baits. Yeah, the Magic the, Swimmer. The thing, Magic yeah. Swimmer dills let those dro- drop down and sink down. And so I tried that. Nothing. Yeah. And uh, I talked to Will. I asked Will. I said, "Hey, what wh- what are these fish doing? They're just sitting there." Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's what he said. You know, it's like. And so, how do you get those fish to bite? And he goes, I don't know. Yeah. You know, but it, that's. But that's. It's not that. Hey, they. They. We don't know what they're doing. It's. A, it's seriously like they're there. Right. How are you going to get them to bite? Oh, if yeah. they don't bite, it's like, well, you don't beat yourself up. No. It's just they're not going to bite. And you got to just keep going. It's, it's, do you experience that a lot? Oh, I mean, it, it's a pain in the butt. Tons. The big pike is it's it's a, a mystery start to finish for sure. Um, the stars kind of have to align, yeah. you know, especially if it's like an off time of year. You have to have like the right weather. You have to be there the right time of day. And then I think like each fish has its own little personality. And those big ones, they're eating a big meal, but not often. So if it just ate, you you had to like just cross paths with the right fish at the right time, <laughs> and, and everything has to align for you, and then and then you'll get bit. But if you're, you know, you'll have to stiff through a number of different fish before you find the one that's ready to eat. Because I'm sure, I mean, they'd see baits more than we think, you know. And we're you would think, yeah, especially yeah, high high plate high volume places. Looks. Like we're that, getting yeah. a lot of looks, and you'll get a lot of follows. Like that, they actually show themselves. They'll come to the boat. Um, and give you like a little bit of feedback. At least you know you're kind of in the hunt, right? Uh, but I just think some of the big fish are just 
stuff to the gills. They're not ready to eat yet, you know? What do you what do you learn from a follow? Like what are some of the things there's a lot you can yeah. learn. It depends on how you interpret the follow. Yes. What do you personally if you see a pike, if if you got a bait coming and you see you can see that bait the whole way. Yeah. There's nothing following it. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's almost like the pike came from this came came flying from over from yeah. here and just followed it all the way into the boat. Do you do the figure eight? Is that can you do that for pike? I know they do. I've not ever school. had success with it. I try to do something different, but I think a follow, you can learn a lot from a follow. If I have people in my boat, mm-hmm. I'll tell them, like, if you see anything, I want to know about it, you know, because that gives me information that I can use, like, at least we know we're kind of heading in the right direction. I think if you do get followed, you're doing something right. It was right. half interested in what you're offering. Uh, but on the flip side of the coin, it's also, you know, it's, he's, he's unsure. He's a pike doing pike, yeah. He's, he's, he's unsure. Not, he's he knows not. something's not right, whether it's the leader's too heavy or the bait just doesn't, it's not the right color or the action. Um, it's just, it's right enough where he's going to follow it, but it's wrong enough that uh, he's not going to eat it. So I'll, if I get followed, like we talked about earlier, the fish is lazy, so I'll put a waypoint. I know he's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, he'll go right back to and him. I, he's had no reason to move. Right. I, you likely won't cast him like he sees the boat and turns away. Everybody wants to throw bait right there. He's not ever going to eat that bait. But if you leave and go do something else and you're fishing for an hour or two and go back to that spot... I think a lot of times that fish, you know, they have a short-term memory and they forgot that they saw a boat and were spooked for a second. And you might trick them. Get them to go that yeah, time. Yeah, because they're hanging out in that same spot. But, uh, yeah, sometimes it's it's wild. Like, I don't know what the what, trick is. What's the first thing you would do, like, in that situation? You get a follow. Would you change a color? Would you change retrieve speed, size, yeah. downsize, size up? I think speed is a big thing. Um, depth control and speed. If you get a follow, your depth is probably right because you they're always going to feed up. Too, yeah, you know? they're not. They're not a lot of times going to go down. They're no. always going to look up or right. see where their eyes are. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but speed, maybe speed it up. Everybody asks, okay, if I get a follow, what should I do? Boat side to maybe get them to go. Yeah, yeah. And I've tried and tried and tried to build a pattern, but do you ever do throwback at them? I do. Like do like smallmouth kind of. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But you ever uh, go that way? I've never. But sometimes to go that I get them to go like I'll speed the bait up, especially if I'm using like a spinner bait or bucktail. And there's a file. You can, a lot of these lakes, you can see them way out there chasing it. Mm-hmm. Speed it up. Sometimes that'll get them to go. Other times, if it's like a jerk bait or something, just snap, snap, and just kill it. You know, hang yeah. it there in the water column, and he might go at it that time. So there's really no rhyme or reason. Like, is it, do I go faster? Do I go slower? Do I just kind of like more? what you've been going, what you've been noticing throughout the day. Yeah. That's what makes you make your decision. Yeah. Right but I'll, I'll definitely switch up. If I get a follow, I don't want to, you know, if I'm throwing a spinner bait, throw a swim bait. I stay with the spinner bait. I'm like, I'm thinking I'm in the right, on the right path here, but, uh, I'll change like the blade configuration and the skirt, like just kind of tweak it a little bit. See if I can't solve the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it follows a good sign, you know, always a good sign. It's a good but sign. It's a pain. It's, 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 it's yeah. It's it can be too. very discouraging. Yeah. I've had some days where it's just I've, follow after follow. Uh, I've, I've learned, I've learned a lot for following trips with follows. Yeah. Like that trip, it might not have, have made made what I was trying to do that day or helped me out there. But like I said, my limited experience with it, I've, I've learned the next, the following trip. And that goes with anything. Early season trolling for lake trout. Yeah. Follows or, or casting for lake trout. I, I, well, Eric, uh, you know Eric. Yeah. Not Erica, but Eric. <laughs> I know Yeah. Uh, I, I, I took him up. I had a guy trip um, uh, at Williamsport. It was a lake trout trip. Yeah. And I took him up there. I again I'm not a swim bait guy, but I know he is. Yeah. And I and I wanna see if I could get these big Lakers. It's the first week of opening season and or opening boat season as far as Williams Fork goes. They open usually typically May twentieth, May seventeenth, something like that. Right. And um uh it was that first week, so they're shallow. They're I know where the fish are generally gonna be. Going over there, and we try to throw in everything traditional lake trout stuff, you know, yeah. jerk baits, crank swim, smaller stuff, you know, uh, whatever it was. We didn't troll it all that day. I think we would have trolled, we would have caught fish. We yeah. would actually boated fish. Yeah. But he was throwing these big swim baits. Yeah. And I was watching those lake trout follow a swim bait in. And I'm talking massive, giant lake huh. trout follow a swim bait. But the same thing, they followed all the way to the boat, see the boat. They were boat scared. Yeah. They'd see the boat turn and go. Right. See the boat turn and go. Yeah. You're so never it was just, figure eight yeah, it was, no, no, if you, if, hey, I want to see that if somebody if ever it happens. That, holy smokes. But just to see a lake trout, which a, a big dinosaur, you think that oh, you it's awesome. see it 60, 80 feet below, follow a, a, a bait in eight feet of water is something pretty cool. That's so yeah, awesome. but I, but I used that information and then I was like, okay, 
there's so many fish in here, we're going to come and troll with my guide trip. That's what we did. Went out and stuck two fish that were, were 30, one was 36, one was 38, give nice. or take. Yeah. So it was awesome. Go, yeah. My guys were happy. But follows, I learned it from a freaking follow. We never boated any fish. Yeah. But I learned from a follow. So yeah, stay, pay attention to those follows. Pike are notorious for follows. Right. Especially here in Colorado. They just follow it. They're, you're definitely going to pull your hair out, but it's good feedback like we just talked about. Yeah, like you're yeah. in the hunt, you're seeing fish. Uh, it's just a matter of time before one commits. Yeah, and I think, I think it's the same like nationwide. Maybe there's a lot of murky water at other places in the country, but you're wielding that bait and casting. You don't realize how many fish you're coming in contact with. Mm-hmm. Like there's fish that come in, look at it, and turn away all day long, but you never see it, so it doesn't like you know get your heart rate up. Um, especially if you're trolling or something, a big right. lake trout come look and turn off. It probably happens. 20 times more than the fish we actually catch you know what right, I mean right for sure um, you just have to kind of encounter the right fish that has the appetite and is ready to go right then because right, the big predatory man they they don't eat much they eat big but not often now when you're you said you said right there when you're you're chasing those big predatory fish you have to convince them to eat yeah because like they have no problem eating because they're so freaking big already yeah they have no problem getting a meal so what are you going to do to make them want to eat what you are presenting. Yeah, you got to spoon feed them Ugh. here in Colorado. You got to find the fish and you got to put the bait right in front of his. And in fact, there's a lake I won't mention, but we have the few tiger musky lakes yeah, here yeah, in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I like to do that here and there. I don't guide for that ever, but it, you know, just fun fishing. Um, and that's like a hundred percent sight fishing deal. And they're just like a pike. And a lot of those lakes they're put into. They're put in as a management tool. Right. So the CPW side, that lake has so many fish, what usually it's suckers that are like overpopulated, that they're going to put the tiger muskies in there and they're going to control the population. And so then there's just tons of food and the tiger muskies are this big around. And the whole deal with those lakes is dropping, they usually just lay up in the sand. Mm-hmm. You go the right time of year and you can sight fish them and you just drop a bait. And it has to be subtle because they already ate the three-pound sucker. They're not going to eat what giant swim bait. You have to just put something so tiny in front of their face and then jiggle. It's like this far away, and you just have to spoon feed them like that much. That's the only way to get them. And then every tenth fish you do it to might get curious and like actually... Knows it or something. Yeah, knows it, and then you'll see his gills flare, and you just... You basically spoon fed him, you yep, know. Yep. He couldn't help himself, even though he was full and didn't have want anything to do with it. It was just so tempting he couldn't deny it, you know. <sighs> Those damn muskies, I uh, or tiger muskies now. Yeah, I, I said musky, but tiger muskies. They, um, I uh, Quincy, Quincy yeah. Reservoir in Aurora. If you're here in Colorado, you know what we're talking about. Quincy. Sure. There's muskies, tiger muskies in there. Well. There used to be in there. Yeah, a lot. The I, don't, I don't know if there's. I think there's one or two floating around Maybe. in there. Um, but I remember this one time. This thing was was longer than me. I swear to God, it was longer than me. I'm in my belly boat, and I'm dropping cinco's. Yeah. On the top of its head, like do do. Yeah. And it would not move. It wouldn't do anything. I'm I'm throwing stuff right over its back. I'm not trying to snag it or nothing. But yeah. I'm trying to get it to get pissed off. Right. And it was like, man, I do this all the time. Are you done? I can do this all day. Are yeah. Yeah. So yeah, tiger muskies, man. There's something else. There's something, something else. else. Yeah. So, um, man, what we're we're in summertime. Yeah. What uh, what are you guys doing right now up there? What what lakes do you spend a lot of time? I know you said you're all over the state. Yeah. So I know you spend a lot of time at Rifle Gap up in that yeah that, that west that western slope type of area. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that area. Uh, uh, the Rifle Gap. You know, it's it's um, if you got your pulse on on CPW and. Uh, the Western Slope. Right. You know a little bit about what's going on in Rifle Gap. You know, real quick, they got the um, uh, their the, the Protected Fish Species Act, or it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yep. I, I may have missed misspoke on how, what it's actually called, but right. it's basically that's what it is. Yeah. In the Yampa Valley or the Yampa River, I should sure. say, and uh, they want to protect all those fish in there. So they went through a whole process of um, of removing fish, stocking fish, doing all this stuff. Right. So What have you seen? Is it is is it still fishing well? Is it rebounding? Did it even go anywhere? Is there any issues with it? How are we looking up there if Rifle, Rifle Gap goes is concerned? Yeah. We'll talk about the other lake that's up there, too, if yeah. you want to. If you don't, give me a wink. We won't say a word. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, what's Rifle Gap looking? And also the pike fishing. Get to the yeah. pike fish, too. Yeah, yeah. Overall, what's Rifle Gap looking like? 
Um, overall, it's fishing well. So just like any other lake in Colorado, everything is man-made. It's all reservoirs here. Mm-hmm. So management is an issue. I understand it's like a difficult shore where a lot of these lakes in the Midwest, they're natural. The fish have been in there as long as we've been around and they're not as difficult to manage. So I just want to say I know that managing Colorado fisheries is a challenge from the very start. Um, but, you know, every lake goes through its changes. There's good years and there's bad years and there's high water and low water, and especially in reservoirs because um, they get drawn up and they fluctuate so much. Um, Western Slope, anything that flows into the Colorado River Basin, which is more than you think, like all yeah. the Yampa stuff, Granby, like all those lakes up in the Kremlin area, they kind of all flow west and then uh, meet the Colorado River and then down all the way to the ocean uh, some years. There are four, I believe, endangered species that are native to the Colorado River Basin, and we spoke on them quickly. It's the squawfish, yeah, the pike, Colorado yeah. pike minnow, the razorback chub, yep. and then like a third chub, or fourth there's, chub. I there's a darter, yeah. I can't remember exactly, yeah, but there's... And yeah. they're not game fish. You wouldn't really traditionally catch yeah. them, but they're native, and they've been there forever. That's like where the you know home base know, for them. Those pike minnows... I, I, they get pretty big. They do get big. They get pretty big. I've not never seen one personally. I've but never I've seen, seen one either. Yeah, like, I, I've seen them too. And and see, I don't know. I don't know enough about. And I guess I, I should look it up or try to yeah. do some more research. But it's it's something that, like I said, we can't go catch it. I can't yeah. go stand on the bank, and you know, take my five year old and say, "Hey, look, when look there's that." Yeah, a can't do that. No. So it's it's tough for me to. But I understand it. Yeah. I understand the whole deal with it and everything. So. They have a right to be here. I get that for right. sure. Um, but and the, it, the and it, Yampa was a great fishery yeah. for a long time. Yeah. There was a place between Hayden and Krem, not Well, maybe it was Krem, No, not Kremlin. I'm not saying. Hayden and Craig. Craig, yeah. Where you can you even spot outside of Craig to more towards Maybell that you can go and there's a hole where you can, holes where you can stick an eight pound brown. A four and a half pound smallmouth oh. and a double digit pike in the yeah. same freaking hole. I've heard stories. So I that's <clears throat> like that's my that's my sensitive emotional yeah. side yeah. of it where I could do that as an angler. That's freaking awesome. Yes, I agree. So and they've they've made some they've netted that area they've shocked the yampa right and they've they've removed a lot of the smallmouth a lot of the pike yeah. I mean, and they still have places you can catch pike they're small ponds but right they're, I've that's, heard that's, yeah they're, they're they're hammer handles that's they're not. Yeah. It's difficult to catch fish in there. So, Rifle Gap, they um, they did some stuff with it up there where they they wanted to make it more more uh, appeasing for that yeah. side of things, yes. and still keep it going for anglers. Have they done that in your opinion, or are they are they getting close towards that? Yeah, yeah. So the way the way I understand it, and I'm just this is I'm not a don't have like a science or biologist background and I'm not you have a, a guide degree bro science right is got bro science dude science dude science guide science guideology guideology there we go <laughs> masters in that you got all of it already you got the credentials dude you so roll with it there's an endangered species act and this is like a federal deal yep. um, rightfully so to protect endangered species because there's all sorts of species and humans come along and then they start struggling and we have to do what we can to help them rebound. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Colorado, the threatened and endangered of those four species, so the federal government has decided that's like a top priority, and they've delegated Colorado to do what they can to protect those species. Um, so the CPW usually is in charge of that, but I know there's a number of other agencies. It's yeah. like very confusing. They Network, team up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, they team up. There's fish and wildlife, and like it's a whole thing, right? So, But they have decided they got to get these new management plans, and Rifle Gap's management plans dictates that they get in there and, and actively try to remove the sport fish, the ones that they think are a threat to the endangered species recovery, and that's going to be smallmouth bass, walleye, and northern pike. So what they do is they go out with gill nets in the springtime, and they put them in like high percentage areas where their walleye are going to spawn because mm-hmm. that's where they mm-hmm. spawn. And if they catch fertile spawning walleye, they're going to remove them. If they're pre-spawn or post-spawn, this is the way I understand it, they'll release those fish. And then, you know, accidentally, you know, they're always going to catch a few pike and smallmouth, they'll remove those too. So that's stage right. one each year. And then in the spring and the fall, they do the survey, which they do all over the place. Right, right. Um, they drive around in the boat, and then they, they, they kind of use the electrodes to shock the water and the fish float up. They haven't died yet, but they can net them, and then they choose to remove them. They're you know removing pike, right. smallmouth, and walleye. 
Um, I don't think it's helping the fishery, but I don't think it's ruining it by any means. Um, I do think there are a lot of small pike hammer handles, so I think that those could be thinned out, but I think you know fishermen do fair amount of that to begin with, so I don't think it's uh, a necessity. You know, if it, I had it my way, they wouldn't do any of that stuff. Right. Um, you know, th- those are fish species that I guide for, so when they remove them, it becomes more difficult, you know. Yep, yep. Um, plus, I think that they offer a really cool recreational opportunity, um, and they're free. Right. The state doesn't pay a dime for them. They're self-sustaining. I mean, they spend a lot of money trying to get rid of them, and they can't. Right. Where trout and everything else, they pour millions of dollars Cash into. Cash crop. And uh, this, the fish just doesn't want to survive on its own here in Colorado. Most places. You know, they don't naturally reproduce and rifle. They have to no, stock them, yeah, have to yeah. stock them, have to stock them. And that's uh, a lot of money. But uh, they also have a net in the spillway, mm-hmm. a screen of some, you know, the, the taxpayers pay for and that's supposed to prevent any sport fish from removing the reservoir and going downstream in the Colorado River Basin. Um, but recently, in the past few years, they decided that's not adequate, and they're going to try to remove fish anyway. I think that until they poison the lake or drain it, those populations are going to be just fine. Right. And from what I've heard, talking to biologists and stuff, if they do the management plan correctly, it's a five-year deal right now. This is the management plan. I think they're on year three. At the end of five years, they are predicting to reduce the pike, smallmouth, and walleye populations by 5%. Really? That's, you know, like, that's it. I think fishermen probably do that. We do that all around. All the time, you know? So, until they drain it or poison it, I don't think it's going to be a a detriment to the fishery. Um, But they're listening to you guys. Yeah. They're listening to you. Joey, Joey, uh, Wiley, is it Wiley or Wheatley? I don't know. We got a text or something. Willie, Wiley, something like that. You know, I don't. I know. Yeah, I know Joey. He's he's awesome up there. I mean, he's got a pulse on it up there. He does. He's he's level-headed. Yeah. He does research. He figures stuff out. Yeah. I I like Joe a lot, and he's he's pretty predominant up there at Catchlog Fish. And you guys talk to these guys up there, whether it's CPW, for, uh, uh, Forest Service, whatever it is. Yeah. You guys, you guys are talking to them. Yep. And you're getting all this information, so they're they're talking to you. They're trying to work with you guys up there, right? They are. They are. And uh, you know, like it's it's delegated from the federal government, so it's not their decision. They're just they mandated have, to do yeah, it. They have to do it. Um, yeah. So they're doing what they can. They want to listen to sportsmen and make sure these fisheries are going to be exciting for people to go to because it's that generates income, but they also want to appease the federal government and the fish and wildlife, and they want to protect the endangered species. So they have their hands full of trying to make everybody happy. Um, and that right now it's all about compromise. You know, you got to compromise. Yeah. Um, I don't get to decide what's in the lake. You know, if it were up to me, we'd have like crazy awesome. We'd be like marlin <laughs> swimming around in there, you know? Yeah. yeah know. But they don't, they don't, at least they listen, you know. At least they're trying to help talk to you guys, and you, and you said they're they're being transparent. They're letting you know what's going yeah. on for the most part. Right? For the most part, yeah, they're yeah. becoming more transparent, which I'm thrilled about. Um, and it's still a hell of a perch fishery too. If yeah, you want to go catch and a bunch of perch? They're stocking sterile walleye now. That what are they calling those? They call them triploid. Triploids. Okay, yeah. And uh, it might be a walleye mixed mixed with the sauger maybe is that what creates i don't know i'm not sure on that one yeah i'm not sure on the biology so they're trying to replace the fertile wallet with these wallet because they can manage their numbers and if that fish gets in the river you know he never doesn't have an opportunity to spawn so you can't he can only do so much damage um i always say with that those things i always use that drastic park line yeah you know what i'm talking about which one the one where he's like uh uh life will always find a way yeah don't try to goes, manipulate the yeah, don't nature. try to you know yeah you, well how do you know that they're all female do you go out and lift up the dinosaur yeah skirts? that's a good point <laughs> so that's i always see that like when you when they say sterile sterile like the wiper they talk about wiper but yeah. if you have wiper and white bass there's a chance. There There's is a chance. Yeah. But so, and I, I just like tiger muskie, just like tiger, tiger pike, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You you have a chance. So yeah. Um, I I find that's when they when they talk about oh it's going to be sterile we're going to give you an opportunity great thank you for giving us an opportunity or thank you for giving us an alternative deal yeah but come on yeah you know there I mean I know I'm like it could happen you never and know when it's what's wild is is you know on the front range while it's Probably the number two favorite sport fish in America, right? And, and walleye is a put and take species anyway. It's, put it's, and it's a put and take fish, and just like trout, a trout yeah. and walleye are put and take. They want you to harvest them, right? So, like putting, if that's the case, like 
And I understand not getting into the river system. You don't want them to do that. But if they're put in take anyway, they're not viable. They're not, they don't. Yeah, now, yeah. I don't know. If rifle, they, they may have the, have the. I know they got a big damn face. Yeah. And they got current in there. So they might be, have have a, have a place where they can go spawn, have a successful spawn. I don't know. Right. I doubt it, but I don't know. Well, that's the interesting thing about walleye in Rifle Gap as well. There's not so much interesting with smallmouth and northern pike. But down here, walleye is big business, right? And the mm-hmm. state does a lot to... Uh, spawn those fish artificially and then stock them all over the place so that people have a good fishery. And I think it's Cherry Creek, Chatfield, and Pueblo are like the yep. brood sock lakes. Yep, they yep. go out there, net them, and then they take the eggs and they, they, they spawn them. Um, and then they use those fish all over the place. But Rifle is one of the only states in the lake that has a self-sustaining population of walleye. So they do. They do so have they, a self-sustaining So all these walleye... See, I, I didn't know that yeah, for sure. They put them in in the 70s and they never they like a few water. times I'm sure yeah, yeah. and uh, there's not you'll never have like you know you go to Pueblo and catch a hundred fish in a day you can never catch a hundred walleye rifle a good day you catch like a dozen you know mm-hmm. but they're bigger and they're self-sustained they are natural they've been doing their thing at least in small numbers since the 70s so I think it's just wild that they're gonna spend all this money to try to remove those fish and then spend all this more money the to introduce ones. the new. And I'm yeah. like, you got it. It's right here. You don't have to spend a dollar on it. Um, it's ready to go. We're Same not, with the pike and smallmouth. We won't get all into it because no. we'll just get all grumpy. But that's that's kind of where that's kind of why we're in the situation where you're in. Yes. but <laughs> That's Western Slope. That's Colorado that's, River Basin. Yeah. That's what's going on. And I heard you guys, I know you guys over there on that side have, have uh, you got a couple peaches uh, the, in the barrel yeah, that like to spoil. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I know, I know. Yes. Connor gets my reference. Yes, but uh, I oh, understand yeah. the Western Slope. You know, there's a lot of issues up there, and I get it. And People are got, very passionate. They're very passionate. That's the best way to put it. God bless them. They are passionate. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. So, um, but uh, Rifle Gap. I mean, it's still a great place to go. They want to go get a hold of you. Get up there. Uh, yeah. with you. If anything, go per- freaking perch fishing. Right? Yeah, and it's perch so different. Brown trout and rainbows, big that's, that's rainbows. Right. Yep. Uh, how, how are the brown trout in there? It's a sleeper population, also self-sustained. They don't stock those. Yeah. All natural, but I swear they're like dinosaurs. They graduate from the bug thing to uh-huh. eating perch pretty quickly in there, and then once they do that, they get big. Do you ever target them during a spawn or when they go into their into their phase? Do they get? They I don't. Them? I don't. People call it fishing never, reds, right? Because they yeah. kind of turn their red. It's, and they're mean as hell. They're mean as hell. So I kind of leave them alone. They're not huge numbers in there. Like I never target brown trout. I never am like, okay, this is a brown trout trip. They're tough to target. They're tough to target, they're, especially they're, in there, because it's like I just incidentally catch them, whether I'm walleye fishing or bass or pike, and I'll probably catch. A dozen a year, but yeah. they're all twenty-two inches or bigger, and all the way like I'm sure there's thirty inches. I I I think I think uh, Williams Fork, even though a lot of people argue with me and say there's not a lot of brown trout in there, I think Williams Fork has uh, world record brown trout swimming around in there. Do you? I think Wolford has a world record brown trout swimming around in there. I love brown trout, man. But um, that's a mysterious dude. They're I'm not even. They're they're like. They're almost like the pike, like musky. You can't yeah. just you can't just pattern them. You can't. No. You can't. Uh, it's just a number. It's just time. Because the it's the only way. Yeah, there you have to figure out where you where, what time of year you have. You basically have to go and try to try to catch brown trout in certain areas. You obviously use you use what they and this is with any fish, right? Use what what um, what they when they are vulnerable. Use yeah. that to your advantage. Yeah. You know whether it's a spawn. Um, whether they're post spawn or they're they're in some kind of a phase to where, or they're even feeding in on other spawn. Like they'll go in, they'll eat up, they'll eat on the, when the rainbows go through their little faux spawn. Right. Bed, they'll go through that stuff there too. So, um, but the brown trout, yeah, yeah. I mean, and so another body of water up there. You mentioned already root eye. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of uh, where's that? Where's that exactly? So it's, so folks it's, know it's uh, just outside the Roaring Fork Valley. So it's Basalt, Colorado, mm-hmm. um, kind of south of. Glenwood Springs. Okay. You know, if you went west of Glenwood and then south, uh, you'd run into Root Eye. It is on the western slope. You can see the Continental Divide. Just over the divide is like Twin Lakes, Turquoise, yep, like yep. the Leadville area. Uh, but it flows in the frying pan, which connects to the Roaring Fork and ultimately the Colorado. So it's Colorado River Basin, um, and it's part of the White River National Forest. So it's okay. super scenic. Um, you know, that area is the... the mecca for fly fishing mm-hmm. so all these rivers get hammered and rightfully so there's a lot of great trout in it 
But then the reservoir, root ice, is kind of overlooked. So I spend a ton of time up there, and I think it's just an awesome fishery. Um, and what what do you expect to find over there? What do you target over there? I mostly fish for lake trout, but there's a bunch of different species there's in there. There's some good browns in there, too. There's huh? some good browns in there, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of, like, you know, brown. You can go out and catch a number of brown trout in a single day, especially if you time it the right time of year. But every now and then you'll come across the, the big one. And I'm like you. I think there's a giant swimming around in there. There has I, to be. There has to be. Yeah. There has to be in those places. There has to be a giant. In there. Right. It, just the, behaving like a lake trout, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, hanging out with the big girls down, you know, and he's oh, just God. a monster. I think that that, that exists. There's also uh, perch, which they're not entirely sure how those got in there, but there's population of perch. Um, they stock it with rainbow. They also stock it with Snake River Cutthroat. Oh, nice! Yeah, which is not native to that river basin, but it's close enough. So they're trying to introduce it, and it's like more like resilient that subspecies. Um, so you can catch some of those. They do put kokanee in there. Is it? Does it sustain mm, at all? No, no, it, not even not even viable to for anglers. Not yet. compared to some of these that you know, yeah, like yeah. these places like a true kokanee destination. Bring women out. Yeah. Like, before you even leave the, the, the boat ramp, you know, Jeez, you, you got kokanee in the boat. So it's not nearly like that. You, certainly, if you're a stud kokanee guy, you could probably get into them. Um, and then just the other, you know, there's suckers and crayfish yeah. and that kind of thing. And do you, um, what what are your hot times of that lake? Like, is it fall or is it just, just whenever guys... I guys like, I like, uh, so this year has been kind of different because we didn't have so much snowpack mm-hmm. in high country. So the, the runoff was different. But usually it's, I like, as soon as they open the boat ramp, which is usually, uh, what is it, May 1st these days, um, they open, and I'll fish it hard from May until mid to late June, and that's usually when runoff is, like, gets bad in the lake, and the water gets really dark, and there's a lot of, like, debris, and your graph starts lying to you because there's so much oh, stuff yeah. in the water column that you lose the fish, um, and then I'll pick it up again. You know, it gets warm there. It's 72 in the surface in the middle of the summer, which is why it's popular for, like, wakeboarding and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I'll pick it up again in late season. And I've heard they're saying they're going to try to keep the boat ramp open until, like, December this year, which is going to be awesome. Um, it used to be like that, but now in the past two, three years, they've, they've closed it on Halloween. But, yeah, come end of September, October – and then if they let you go out later, it's great again. I mean, it's a little yeah. chilly out, but you yeah, yeah, yeah. fish. Yeah, yeah, That's See, that, that's a lake that we, we've talked about yeah. in the past. And um, we both believe that there's some toads in there. Yeah. There's some giants, whether the browns, lake trout, whatever you want. Yeah. And actually, you just you just feel, I don't know if you can talk about it. Can you talk about the show you just filmed with uh, Chad Chance or is that? Yeah, out? yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, when do you think that's going to be out so people uh, can watch it? I'm not entirely sure. I know it's going to be next year, 2019. Next year, 2019, so yeah. next year's schedule, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah spring if, maybe. If any of you are, are watching or do watch, have it set on the DVR, look for it in 2019, the show Chad Chance, who, who does the Fishful, Fishful Thinker Fishful Thinker TV. No, it's just, is it television? I don't know. Fish. He's gonna get. He's gonna be like, "What the hell are you screwing that up?" <laughs> he botched um, it. No, nah, I screwed that up. Can't even get my right. Uh, Chad Lachance, the fishful it's thinker on, himself. Uh, what is it? The altitude, uh, altitude sports, sports. I think it's on WFN. Yes, Worldwide Fishing Network. Is that still out there? Yeah. Okay. I don't have it. Though. I don't have it either. That's, I don't even know what carries oh, man. it. It's fishing nonstop. <laughs> we're, we're trying to help you out, Chad, and we're not doing a very good job. But, but uh, said, it's supposed to air like maybe nine times in 2019, like on Altitude Sports or whatever. Yep, there you go. Yeah. So, so you'll see it. 2019, look for it. He'll be on there. And they'll, they'll be talking about Root Eye. Yeah. So um, if you want to see all about that lake, if you don't book a guide trip with him, go check that show out. And then you'll probably want to book a guide trip because you guys grinded your butts off, but you guys got it done that day. We did. Yeah. We got so, it. Which is fishing. Like, which is what? fishing in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but the next body of water up there, which is really where. where um, I'm thinking because I haven't been there in so long that uh, that I want to really go. I want to go right now, actually. Yeah. Harvey Gap. Yeah. And um, it went through a drawdown. Yeah. And now they're they're building it back up and possibly looking at a uh, a gym. A we're, yeah. We're, we're gonna draft this one out of high school straight into the pros. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, this is this is uh, this is gonna be one of the greats. Uh, is that what kind of what so. we're looking at? Yeah. It's small. I mean, it's like 160 acres. But it's not it's, very big, yeah. No, but it's a powerhouse. Uh, like you said, they draw. They 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 had to draw it down. I think they're going to do like an inspection on the dam. Apparently, the dam is like 
150 years old. Mm. I didn't know they were building dams that long ago. But that was yeah. That that's is what that, that's what I was told. So they it's like, a damn old dam. This damn old dam. So they had to draw it down to like look so this thing isn't gonna break. You know, like make sure it's structurally sound. And when they did, they left an eight foot dead pool. Like they, yeah. the water got so low that there was a pool, very shallow, muddy, but there was a spot, a few spots that were eight foot. So everybody's like, oh, this is disaster. Everything that's in there is gonna be struggling. And then they put a fish salvage, which meant anything you catch, you can keep. Yeah. Like, because they, they, they figured everything's going to die anyway, might as well go to good use and people could eat them. Um, they did the inspection, everything checked out, they started filling it back up, and then uh, it was really only down that shallow for like a few months, and by the following spring, they drawed down in the, in the in the fall, and then by springtime, it was full pool. And, you know, when you draw it down, all that new weed growth on the edges... And then the water's super clean. They filled it back up, and they're going to be super kind of aggressive with their stocking programs. And surprisingly enough, a lot of these species survived the drawdown. Yeah. Because there's still pike, perch, smallmouth, um, the few tigers that they've been stocking. There's still, you know, largemouth, everything. It's got tons and tons of species. It's a big warm water, warm water fishery. Yeah. Head. Yeah, Basically. and they're going to stuff it full of trout, of course, but they're also, they did some stuff with largemouth. They're going to try to get the largemouth population really kind of booming. And they really worked with you and other anglers up there. Yeah. to re- Joey one being one of them. Right. Joey Wheely, Wiley. Wiley, Wheely. Um, Wiley, Wiley. We, we, uh, they worked with you guys up there to kind of, hey, they picked your brain on what. Yeah. Time. And that's, that's you know, on, on one, one hand, it's like, oh, we're sorry about rifle gas. Yeah. Here, here you go. Over yeah. Here. And, I mean, can you kind of be like, all right, all right, it will shake. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, it's you compromise. Know? Like I said, you gotta, you got to be willing to compromise on that side of the state. Um, you know, everybody's pissed they're moving northern pike, but there's pretty good uh, muskies, tiger muskies. And then largemouth smallmouth yeah, small is getting the, they're getting the kind of chopping block, but the largemouth, they're going to help out. So they're doing, they're helping. They're definitely helping. Um, and they're going to be super aggressive with the stocking. And they put cribs in there, man-made fish, you know, structure. Habitat, yeah, yeah, right. nice. Which is like a big deal to get that approved. Joey was like kind of lead man on that. And then they've been putting largemouth. I've heard they're going to continue with the tiger muskie stocking program. There are still good pike and smallmouth bass in there. And they're going to, you know, they have the, all the right ingredients. So they're going to spawn and be successful. Uh, the only downside is the boat ramp's not open. Yeah. So you can't access it from like a boat like ours. So it's hand launch only. Hand right? launch only. Do, do, you can still have crafts out there. You just can't launch it from a trailer. It has to be hand launched. Yeah. So, you, so YouTubes, <laughs> uh, float tubes, um, kayaks, yeah. uh, small boats, you know, canoes, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they have that little board that explains. Okay, um, so it's yeah. got up there. So folks can't go up there and, and launch, try to launch their big ass boat, and there's nowhere to put it, right? Right. Yeah. Not not right now. We're hoping. You know, in the years to come, we can get it open back up at least at like a temporary basis, maybe a few days a week or the weekends or something, you know, like get it open at least partially. But right now it's not open. Yeah. But it's still. But that's good for the fishery, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's not going to get as much uh, uh, as heavy traffic. And I, and I even think we could talk about it till we're blue in the face. You still have to drive to rifle. You still have to go up there. You still have to do all that stuff. Yeah. So it's not one of those places where we got to be like, hey, shut up about that place. Yeah. Because you still have to go out there and catch fish. And, and, it, that's and, it, and it's definitely not like a year-round powerhouse. You know, you right. have to do it at the right times of year. It's, but it's, it's hot over there. It's, it is hot. It's like Pueblo on it's the West Coast. It's super hot, yeah. And it, you don't want to fish when it's 100 degrees. It's, Hell no. You're not going to be very successful. So, man, you're busy, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Busy dude. What, um... Uh, real quick before we uh, before we shut her down here. So along with this, now I'm going to do something different. We're uh, well, I don't know if it's different. It's it's something new I'm trying to do. I'm going to try to utilize Instagram. Try to use, utilize YouTube. So yeah. Uh, after we're done here, Connor and I are going to go over and uh, we're going to try to record something uh, for Instagram TV. Yeah. So um, by the time you hear this, uh, you could probably go to my Instagram page. Go check it out. If you want to share it, you can share it too, or even give you the video. You can put it on your page too. Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, if you guys, we're, we're kind of do like a like a gear dump. Yeah. Um, a gear check, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I haven't figured out a clever name to call it yet. We'll figure it out. But we're gonna go over the gear uh, you're using 
uh, to go target these fish. We've got rods, line, yeah. and you got a couple baits too. Yeah. Right? So kind of what what you're using. So go go check that on Instagram. And then we're going to try to do another one for YouTube. Kind of the same spot, different or kind of the same idea, but it's going to be, uh, by the time I get it all edited, uh, probably you'll, you'll be able to hear this and then go and watch that stuff right away. So keep an eye out for that, guys. Guys and gals, sorry. Don't want to get in trouble. That's right. Don't want to have, um, you know, uh, people upset with me. So... Uh, Connor, before we roll out and go do that, um, real quick, if you're pike fishing right now, what are you doing? What are you doing right now to go catch pike? Uh, I think speed is key. You know, hot water, I'm burning stuff. So bucktails, spinnerbaits, topwater. If I'm trolling, I'm going quick. I think it's all about speed in July and August, and you're looking for the reaction strike. And um, That's the key. Best way to get a hold of you if they want to book a trip and ask you about more. Yeah, uh, so you can find me on my website, apexsportfishing.com, or my phone number, 970-279-1414, or you can even email me at cfoy at apexsportfishing.com, or Instagram, Facebook. Same thing. Yeah, the whole whole nine. The whole stuff. So, Connor, thanks, man. I appreciate it, and I hope to get you on again. This was fun. Yeah, I've had a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for – I truly appreciate it. Thanks for everything you're doing out there on the Western Slope, man. You're not only – you're not only uh, making an income from it. You're also being involved of – how of what's going on up there and that's awesome there's not a lot of guides that are out there doing that right I now. appreciate it I yeah. wish more were doing that but um, that's another podcast yeah so uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up now again like I said go check out the Instagram uh, hopefully these, these will be out in time so you can go listen to this go check out what we just talked about and then uh, uh, as always you know if you're not winning you're learning and um, amen <laughs> get out there uh, and uh, catch some fish if that's what you're doing right now so uh, again thanks for tuning in